uh, Uncle Ben has since been deceased. Uh, Peter Man, Peter Man, uh, Peter Parker, Man. Peter Man. Man. <laughs> uh, we understand. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the weird 16 and a half episode of Plot Devices. This is our second weird mini-sode plot-adjacent thing, other dimensional what's-it. Uh, appropriate, because we're talking about Spider-Man today, so it makes sense. Uh, I am Brandon King, your host today, alongside Samantha Ancrovaya and Noah Guzman. Uh, last time we were here in like the mini-sode sphere, we were talking about all things uh, DC fandom, recapping all that uh, nonsense. Here, we're only recapping one type of Marvel nonsense. Uh, in case you guys have been living under a rock, you know that a certain movie called Spider-Man No Way Home is in theaters uh, starting this week. We just got the first teaser dropped for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2 across the Spider-Verse Part 1, and we're all losing our minds about that. And so in this era of, you know, peak Spider-Man content and potentially peak Spider-Man clicks for this as well, uh, we, of course, thought it would be interesting to get our thoughts on the Spider-Man franchise as a whole. We've kind of had a lot of different ideas of what we should do for this. We thought about for a while doing a whole series recap of the Spider-Man movies. We were going to do, like, a period of, like, the Raimi films and everything. And then we thought, no, nah, you guys don't want to hear that. So let's just rank the entirety of the live-action Spider-Man movies through each of our tastes and each of our, you know, different things. Because we're each coming from different backgrounds. I think we each have, you know, our different experiences with the Spider-Man films. And I want to get that across to, uh, actually, just very quickly before we move in. Uh, Sam, I want to get started with you. Just your quick thoughts on the Spider-Man movies as a whole and your experience with them. Andrew Garfield is actually one of my favorite Spider-Men uh, out of the three. I mean, I think that each of them brings really something interesting to Peter Parker. You know, I, I think the Internet has really put it best where they feel like Tom Holland's probably like the best Peter Parker and then... Tobey Maguire is probably like the best Spider-Man or whatever, but like, I don't know. There's just something about Andrew Garfield that I feel like he does a good job of doing both like the high school student and, and Spider-Man really well. So that's kind of my experience with it. And that will really play into my rankings as you'll see soon. <laughs> uh, Noah, over to you. When I heard we were doing this, I had to list them all out and kind of highlight what my favorite parts of each were, whether it was the villains or additional characters that were included. We're all kind of displaying our notepads now. Um, but just going into this, I knew that I was going to uh, place Tom Holland's films uh, quite high on our rankings because of what his character has meant to the MCU, you know, as an expanded universe, a cinematic universe. Uh, and then with regard to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, that's the one I grew up with. You know, we, we we're from, um, a generation where Tobey Maguire was our Spider-Man uh, when we were watching him. So uh, he's, of course, going to be very important to me, too. So, um, you know, as much as I love Andrew Garfield, hey, I gave Tick, Tick, Boom a 10 out of 10. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you'll find you'll find no surprise in where I place his rankings because, you know, I had two other Spider-Men to think about. Yeah, I will never forget being, uh, you know, a wee lad of like five or six years old and going to a friend's birthday party. And seeing a guy dressed up as Green Goblin for the first time and thinking, this is the most terrifying thing on the planet. Who would want to watch a movie with this? Um, and then, of course, I got older and I watched, you know, the Raimi films and the Mark Webb movies. And now, of course, into the current era of the MCU. And I've always appreciated the different takes on Spider-Man. I haven't always agreed with every nuance that the character brings. But as far as the actors go and the directors bring, I've always appreciated that level to it. And the fact that we've got, you know, eight Spider-Man movies to talk about, like, as a fan of the comics, like, that's still kind of surreal. So we're super going to get into it. 
Here's how this is going to go down. Uh, we have seven live action films to choose from. Of course, the three Raimi films, the two web films, and then the two MCU films currently in entry. None of us have seen No Way Home yet. This could all change in a week. So this is kind of pointless. But we're going to try it anyways. Uh, we're going to go down, uh, based on just my Zoom setup uh, for fourth wall break. Uh, Noah's number eight, my number eight, Sam's number eight. Uh, we'll do some quick discussions, quick reactions as well, but then we'll try and move on as quickly as we can. Uh, and then we'll eventually we'll get to our number one and we'll rank those for you guys. And you guys will then know our definitive plot devices stance on the live action Spider-Man movies. So Noah, over to you. What is your number seven, your least favorite of the live action Spider-Man movies? Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> this could easily be the seven best Spider-Man live action films, okay? And it just so happens that Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man 2 is number seven for me. Um, I'm going to talk about some positives of this film, which uh, was for me the character of Gwen Stacy. Uh, Emma Stone was great in that role. Um, it is a, you know, it is a relationship that is... Uh, best experience like just watching the movie like I don't even want to go into spoilers about what goes on with Gwen Stacy but just I, I thought that that delivered so much more emotion and a different side of how dark Peter's relationships and Spider-Man's relationships with his loved ones can go and so uh, that was really a highlight for me uh, I just found more to pull from from the other movies whether it was uh, Raimi's or it was um, John Watts for the Tom Holland films uh, but that was number seven for me and I will go into my number seven, and it is also Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, I completely concur with you, Noah. The things that this movie does well, it does well. And I am willing to say that, you know, seven years removed from having seen it and having a, you know, tantrum in the movie theater about, you know, how much of a mess it was. Uh, and it is still a mess. Like, I think the multiple villains, the way the story kind of meanders on and off, the way that Webb kind of doesn't have nearly as much of a focus and tone of direction as this time. We'll get to that first movie, and I have things to say about it. Uh, but no, the stuff that works about it, like, I love the Gwen, uh, the Gwen and Peter stuff. I do really enjoy kind of the little threads of Sinister Six that we get. You know, I think that, I think the power plant bike sequence actually looks pretty good be beyond all the, you know, flashiness of it. Uh, so there's neat things about this, but it is a jumbled mess and it's easily the worst of live action movies. It, it will come as no surprise then that I too also put the amazing Spider-Man too. I know earlier, I just Check think Andrew Garfield's praises. I know, but uh, honestly, the, it was more about the story for me. It's not, it has nothing to do with the cast performance because they all, I think did a phenomenal job and you, you both pretty much hit the nail on the head that it was a nice way to explore Gwen Stacy's relationship with Peter Parker. Beautiful movie to do that. I did not like some of the effects. The effects did not jive with me. I was not a fan of Jamie Foxx's blue man group vibe. I just, I, I could not get down with that. <laughs> but then there were also just too many villains to focus on. Again, also appreciate the Sinister Six try, but it is a try. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we, we all pretty much agree that this one right on our number seven. Okay. Number six for me is Spider-Man 3. And for reasons that are not surprising, uh, this is the one for me where I said, there's too many players in here. Like we have Venom as a villain. We have Sandman. We have the new Green Goblin. And it's fitting this all into, into the same movie. Like it just coming from uh, Spider-Man 1 and 2, it was just very surprising to get this this mess that I think was Spider-Man three. I still watched it. I still at the time was like, oh, I'm a big fanboy. But uh, I just found that this movie was doing um, a lot there. And Saving Grace for Spider-Man 3 and why it's ranked above Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the wonderful clips of Tobey Maguire giving us the finger guns, you know, having his dark scene moments. It was 
beautiful to watch that happen on screen. Brandon, number six. Uh, Fueled by Ramen, Peter Parker will never not be funny. Uh, and then is also my number six for this. Uh, again, the things that I think it does well, I do think it does genuinely well. First of all, Thomas Hayden Church does not get enough love as Sandman. He really brings a lot of heart to Flint Marker. I think the movie as a whole is sorely lacking, even with Peter's character. Uh, and I do like what they do with Peter's character. I like diving into, you know, the rage that has pimped up over the last two Raimi films. And again, Raimi's style is still there, whether you like it or not. Uh, and I am a little bit more mixed than more, than more people. Um, but again, all of the musical stuff, all of the overbloated villains. And again, if you want to know why I'm so worried about No Way Home, look no further than this movie. Um, and if we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2, that's another thing. So like, I appreciate this, especially, you know, as grown as I am and as many times that I'm going to revisit it, I appreciate what it is trying to be even beyond the studio interference. But yeah, it's still kind of a mess. I swear we didn't swap notes before this because <laughs> Spider-Man 3 is also there for me. And it's, it's, um, Spider-Man 3 is also my number six. And it's, it's kind of for the same reasons I put the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is number seven. It's again with the whole too many cooks in the kitchen. But also I just felt like there were times where it was a little too melodramatic for me. And I, I, I don't know. I just, I, it was, it's kind of, the same reasons it's it's a number six but it's not like a bad spot per se it's just because there has to be a number six and it just so happens to be my least favorite of the three sam raimi spider-man movies so i i mean it's it's not bad i I actually really like a lot about the movie especially since um there's that whole backstory to what happens to uncle ben um that's kind of revealed in there and so there there are definitely parts of it that i actually like it's not like a total hate for this movie as opposed to spider-man 2 where it's more of a negative spin um so yeah that is to conclude uh spider-man 3 is my number six i want to see how many of these are the same for us because so far it's a it's a three for three (laughs) i think we're gonna start splintering from here i have a feeling all right all right and i think that i will reserve my comments for probably like my top three because five and four i mean i'll just i'll say my five Number five for me is The Amazing Spider-Man. It is Andrew Garfield's first. Okay. We are going to so. start splintering. Yes. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, um, I have more to say about my top three, which will be now different from yours. So, uh, Brandon, number five. Spider-Man Far From Home is my number five. Uh, look, this film is genuinely entertaining. And I again, I think for Peter's journey in the MCU... It does things I think no other Spider-Man movie has does, particularly his relationship with Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. And Jake Hall is, you know, he's having a blast with this. He's doing what he can. It is the idea of taking what happens in Homecoming. We'll talk about that later. But it's the idea of, you know, Peter wanting a mentor figure and that idea of being completely and utterly disturbed and crashing down on him and him having to rely on his own strengths and his own abilities. Beyond the fact that, you know, him and the MJ stuff, which I genuinely love, I think it's one of the better love interest stories in the MCU, Obviously, it's based on the comics, but you know what it is. Um, the drone stuff is really fascinating. There's some really great horror iconography played in there, but it's balanced against all the school kids stuff. And again, it's funny. It is genuinely enjoyable. I have a lot of fun with it, even if I recognize that there are parts of it that represent the worst tendencies of the MCU Spider-Man. Still, it's not a bad movie. I still have a lot of fun with it. So my number five is actually Spider-Man 2. <laughs> so oh. these really splintered. We are we are hot debates. I know. This is going to be fun. <laughs> so I, I feel like I want to reserve my comments too after um, we list a couple of them. Because I don't know. I just feel like that's going to, this is going to be fun. 
<laughs> so Noah, go ahead. What's your number? Is Toby Maguire's Spider Man Spider Man One? That's that's all. That's all I have to say, Brandon. That's it. Okay. Um, I will actually go off that. My four is also Tom, is also Tobey Maguire's first Spider Man, Spider Man two thousand two. Again, I am the guy who's always been like, ah, Raimi's not all that. Like he's very much kind of pulpy and nostalgic wise, and I haven't always loved what he's done with the uh, with the Spider Man property as a whole as much as everyone else does. But yeah, this film's pretty great, and it's you know beyond the childhood nostalgia for me. Like it was one of the first superhero movies I ever you know really had a connection with. But again, what Tobey Maguire is able to do in the role as this kind of wide eyed kid. Who looks way too old to be a white-eyed kid, let's be honest, but is able to portray that. Um, I love what Willem Dafoe does in this. I love the back and forth between, you know, Peter and the Osbournes. I love the family dynamic of it all. And I love how it goes back to, you know, for better or worse, showing the roots and core of the emotionality of who the character of Peter is and how he is willing to do everything and how he has to learn that he can't always save everyone and he has to go, he has to go around different ways to be able to do what he does. So I've always, you know, I've always been the basher of Raimi, but I will respect him where it's due, including this film. And then my number four is Far From Home. And and it's mostly okay. because it, it's mostly because of how how large the scope is in Far From Home, because that for me was kind of it's like the little negative thing in the movie is just that, you know, obviously they take that European trip and then I just feel like it kind of takes them out of new york city and sometimes to its detriment and i i don't know like because there, there's something special about spider-man in his hometown being in new york and and i don't know it just it just felt like it was too large and and the adventure was so large that it distracted from the core focus on why we like spider-man and peter parker and and his relationships with his um you know his friends so anyways that's kind of my bit on it i'm <laughs> speechless we need okay. more Aunt may Yes, we did need more Aunt May, because that's something that I also appreciate is Spider-Man's relationship with his family, or what's left of it. <laughs> Zing! No. Um, <laughs> so, Noah, with that being said, what's your number three? <laughs> In number three, here I'll be a little bit more long-winded for my top three. So, my top three is, or, sorry, number three is Spider-Man Homecoming. I like to see the reemergence of a new Spider-Man, especially one after they were introduced in an MCU movie. We all know Spider-Man was first introduced in Captain America Civil War, quite the introduction, and then leading us into a new um, reboot of the character in his own solo film that didn't require the same or, or that didn't follow the routine of t- telling us the story of Uncle Ben's death and how that impacted Peter. Instead, we're picking up right from a moment where uh, Uncle Ben has since been deceased. Uh, Peter Man, Peter Man, uh, Peter Parker, Man. Peter Man. Man. <laughs> uh, we understand uh, Peter's relationship to his superhero uh, alias, and we have the addition of Tony Stark. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, who is popping in to deliver some, you know, he's like Peter's dad in the first Spider-Man. And seeing Iron Man and Spider-Man have that family-like relationship uh, was a pleasure to watch. And so that easily comes in as number three. Brandon. And I I will get to it soon enough, but um, number three is where Noah and I apparently find a behemoth disagree with. Number three is the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, This movie is great. I've defended this movie for nearly a decade. Uh, I get it. You know, emo skateboarding Peter is not for everyone. The subtext there is not quite there as it is in the second movie, or at least not until the last third of this. You know, there is all the stuff with the Sinister Six movie. There is, you know, the Flash Thompson stuff, and it does get gimmicky, and I completely acknowledge all of that. 
I love this movie. I love how grounded it feels. I love how Mark Webb is so freaking focused on bringing the, the scientific aspect of Spider-Man back to the forefront and not in like a campy way, in a way that feels like, you know, at the time when I was like, this could be in the MCU. This could be like this incarnation of Spider-Man. And it feels so legitimately, it feels what Spider-Man should have been at that age, in that context. And I love how just focused it is. Andrew Garfield is beyond underappreciated as Spider-Man. He is tremendous in the role. And as Peter as well, I find that his emotional moments really, really work. You know, just the scene with him and Flash in the hallway when Flash is confronting him about his uncle and the just draining of emotion in his face or the scene with him and the lizard at the end when, you know, Kurt Connors is saving his life. And like, there's just so many moments of that that always resonated with me. It's a little bit of rose-scented glasses. I will completely acknowledge that I saw this movie when I was first coming up and understanding movies more. But at the same time, I love what Mark Webb and Andrew Garfield have done with this. It is a truly underappreciated classic of the modern era of superhero movies, and I love it. My number three um, is actually Tobey Maguire's first Spider-Man, just the very first movie, Spider-Man. And so, um, and it's just because Tobey Maguire admittedly is not my favorite Spider-Man because I am in that party where emo Spider-Man is not my, my thing. And so, uh, but the only reason I love Sam Raimi's, spider-man movies as much as i do is because of the villains i feel like all the villains were so well casted and willem dafoe is a classic with his godspeed spider-man i can't i just can't even and so they're, they're just classics and so that's why i am glad to see that he is confirmed for no way home coming up um and and so yeah that with the with that spider-man one is um, my number three my number two is Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 2. The villain of Doc Ock is everything I wanted to see at the time for a Spider-Man sequel and more. It had me wanting to have my own set of like robot arms on my back that I could just order to do my bidding. He was so fun to watch. I remember how um, like scared I was for Aunt May when they're in that scene at the bank or at the, at the loaning office, wherever they were, where she's, she's talking about a toaster and it's the sweetest scene ever. And in barges in Doc Ock snatches Aunt May. And you have this moment of, Oh my God, are we going to lose her? Um, And I think that that happens across the film. Like there's, there's a other moments where you're shocked because he's thrown a car through like a cafe window that Peter's in. Um, this also gives you such great like continuing storylines between his relationship with Mary Jane. Um, she now knows that he is Spider-Man and they're both working on their relationship because of that. It was hard for me to find negatives with this movie. And I had to show appreciation, at least in my top list for uh, one of the Tobey Maguire films. And so Spider-Man 2 made it out on top for me. And this is where I get to show my Tom Holland love. Number two for me is Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, this film is great. I know that Civil War was Peter's introduction to the MCU at the time. I think this is much clearer of an indication of who Peter is in the context of the MCU than that film ever could. And I do love Civil War to death, but I think this is more solid in, you know, Peter's character. Tom Holland is brilliant in this. Uh, anyone who thinks Tom Holland is not a good Spidey or a good Peter, I think needs to get their head checked. I think what he does with the innocence of the character, the tragedy of the character, I go to, again, you know, the scene where the building's on top of him and he has to muster every bit of strength to him. Like, that's Spider-Man. Like, that's what every person watching it thinks of when they look at the character and wants to identify with them. 
beyond, you know, again, Jacob Adelon and Zendaya and the whole supporting cast and their loveliness, Michael Keaton as the Vulture, who is really one of the more complex later era MCU villains we've get, you know, and obviously the stuff with Laura Harry and the choice of that. The action scenes are really well done. I was not expecting this from John Watts at the time, and he really surpassed my expectations for it. Yeah, the Iron Man Jr. stuff. Yeah, it's too, you know, tied to the Avengers lore. Yeah, it's, you know, all of these things that maybe take away from who Peter is. But at the same time, it is also very much an indicator of who Peter is in this continuity and who he can be later on. And I think that's worth saying something for a movie that is so damn entertaining in its own right. So, yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming is easily my runner-up. And it's actually the same for me too. Spider-Man Homecoming Aha! is my number two as well. So that we are in agreement with, though. Um, you honestly put it best. I, I couldn't have said it any better than that. It's just with Tom Holland, he is such a good person to play Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. It's just, just like you said, you need to get something checked out if you think that he is not good as Spider-Man. But um, it's just, it was such a good intro for this generation of Spider-Man fans. And so I, you know, I, I just can't wait to see what he'll do next with this upcoming movie because of how strong his introduction was. Like, of course, we saw him first in Civil War, but it's like to have his first standalone movie. If this is the context of what I'm saying it in, it, it was such a strong intro for the character, and it's, it, I, I think it worked well in incorporating him into the MCU and just. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it because honestly, Brandon said it better than I ever could. So, um, yeah, it, it's my number two there. Homecoming. Okay. I don't know what that noise was. We are number one. Number one. Okay. The number one Spider-Man movie that you have to watch before going to see No Way Home next week is Spider-Man Far From Home. That is actually my number one. I'm so surprised wow. you both ranked oh, it so yeah. <laughs> um, But I'm just going to go into it now. I adore Far From Home. I think even from the trailer, just getting Spidey out of New York. Sam, you you uh, were uh, presenting the idea that like you, you preferred Spidey in his hometown in New York City. Me, I was so happy to give that guy the boot and send him overseas because seeing him um, be his Spider-Man <laughs> self with his Spidey friends. Uh, that's what I love about these Tom Holland movies is I just think, yes, we had the uh, uh, um, Harry Osborn and uh, Peter Parker relationship in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. But in this movie, we have uh, the wonderful characters of Ned and I'm finding his <laughs> Betty Brant, who is uh, his partner in the movie. They just have the most hilarious, like, little side scenes that are um that are present throughout the entire film while we're focusing on spider-man he's fighting these elemental type of like beings which we eventually learned are just mysterious um drones but it, it was just so much new for me that i really i really found myself loving this film i love the setting um and then we have an other mcu uh, character additions here we have agent maria hill we have uh, nick fury and that to me just just showed how we can make a Spider-Man film that is still cohesive with a with a such a large catalog of connected movies. And I feel like that that this covered the relationships from um, Endgame and into this new age and new phase of Marvel. Um, I was just really impressed, and I remember just watching that movie and begging for it not to end. Eventually, it did, and so you know I'll be rushing the theaters for No Way Home next week. But yeah, actually, its predecessor, Far From Home, is my number one. And the end credit scene was pretty strong following Far From Home, so I will give it that. <laughs> and for any of our listeners who don't remember the end credit scene, Sam, why don't you go ahead and enlighten us? Oh, yes. 
uh, we have Jonah J. Jameson or whatever his middle name, middle initial is. Um, but then he's just like, hey, everybody, guess what? Spider-Man's Peter Parker. And then he's like, ah! and he holds his head in his hands and like in shock. And so I, um, I, I hear that No Way Home picks up exactly from that scene. So I, I don't I, I'm trying to avoid spoilers as much as I can. I, can. I even muted the word Spider-Man, Tom Holland, anything from my Twitter timelines because I don't want to see anything in this next week. So uh, th- that's basically a summary of the end credit scene there. <laughs> and small addition is just Zendaya's MJ and Far From Home. She's so she's so funny. So that was my last thing. She's also just hilarious in that one. Uh, Brandon, you're number one. Uh, yeah, so, you know, coming for me, who, you know, has the weirdest organization of this list and who, you know, is not the biggest Raimi fanboy and who loves the web and, you know, watch movies and, you know, how can you possibly have anything? It's Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is my number one. Uh, it's the best live-action Spider-Man movie. I, I mean, look, even I have to give it up for this movie purely on pacing alone. Uh, it's truly fantastic the way that this movie is paced between Peter's arc uh, Otto's arc, Mary Jane's arc, even it May's arc is interesting in this movie. Like every character gets time to shine. They never, in my opinion, get in the other two Raimi movies, even if there are, you know, bright spots in those movies. Again, Toby's Peter at this point is learning to balance maturity with power, with, you know, adult responsibility in ways that the first movie never could because it was so attached to the idea of, you know, Spider-Man is like the web slinging hero and and this is much more, you know, taking that idea into what that at the time was a very realistic point of view. Alfred Molina is spectacular as Otto Octavius. He's one of the best on-screen Marvel supervillains portrayed thus far. Um, I love the effects work. It still holds up today. The soundtrack is really interesting from Danny Elfman. I think he does some really interesting choices from the first movie. And again, it is beyond, it is beyond what any other live action movie, wink, wink, has done in portraying the idea of Spider-Man as a hero, as a mask, as a mantle, as an idea. And I got to applaud Raimi for that. And the train scene, of course, is going to go down in superhero history for what it has been and for what it has shown ordinary people to represent Spider-Man as. So I've always loved that. I've always loved for what it is and I got to get props to it. And so it should come as no surprise. The amazing, amazing Spider-Man is my number one. And so I, it's so funny. I, I know, I know the, these were vastly different and I'm so glad because I was getting worried with six and seven for both of, for all of us. So, um, uh, but no, with the amazing Spider-Man, uh, the first one that one was is my number one and it's because kind of similar reasons for what you mentioned earlier brandon for what i believe was your number four or five so it was one of those i i tried writing notes to keep up but i think i got lost in the mix um but for you three. mentioned that you saw one of the movies because that was when you started to get serious about liking movies and understanding like the cast and crew so that's the same for me with the amazing spider-man that's when i was starting to take movies more seriously and more critically um and so i i absolutely loved what mark webb wanted to do with andrew garfield and like their vision for spider-man and it's because i felt like it was a perfect mix of appropriate humor because if you've been following along with my comments in the podcast i i always mention how sometimes marvel movies just have this formula where they make jokes and sometimes it like ruins the scene for me where i'm like oh i can't do it i was i was feeling sad and then that joke put me out of it and so um i just feel like in the amazing spider-man the the humor is appropriate like it doesn't put me out of scenes um when it's there like for example just like 
when Andrew Garfield first discovers, you know, his version of Spider-Man, when Peter Parker first discovers he has powers and he's like messing around with the school bully and the jock and like has the ball sticking to his hands. And like, to me, that was just such a hilarious scene, but it like fit really well. Um, and so between that and then even having like the action sequences and everything, I just felt like it all came together really well. And going back to my original comment, I thought that Andrew Garfield was the best Peter Parker and Spider-Man combined. And so of course also got to give it up to Emma Stone. Cause I thought she was amazing as well. So um, I mean, there's, there's just a lot to love in, in the amazing Spider-Man for me. Um, that's why it takes up my uh, number one spot. And I'm so glad to see we have such a mixed bag with reactions. <laughs> I just want to give one quick praise to the late James Horner, whose score I think is completely underrated in those movies. I truly think it's wonderful. Uh, going into our rankings one more time, Noah, rank yours uh, from t- from bottom to top. All right. So going from seven, it is Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number six is Spider-Man 3. Five, Amazing Spider-Man. Four, Spider-Man 1. Three, Spider-Man Homecoming. Two, Spider-Man 2. And my number one is Spider-Man Far From Home. And my ranking is going to be at number seven, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number six, Spider-Man 3. Number five, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, number four, Spider-Man 2002, the uh, first Sam Raimi movie. Uh, number three, The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. And number one is going to be Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. And then for me, it was uh, number seven, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number six, Spider-Man 3. Number five, Spider-Man 2. Number four, Far From Home. Number three, Spider-Man 1. Number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. And then number one, The Amazing Spider-Man. Just just for fun, I want to play the game of, okay, my Far From Home was number one. Where did you two place it? Four. Uh, Five. Four and five. Brandon, what was your number one? Uh, Spider-Man 2. And that was my number two. Sam, what was Spider-Man 2 for you? Five. Five. And what was your number one? It was The Amazing Spider-Man. Number five for me, Brandon. Which I had a number three. How funny. I I also want to quickly point out that each of us for our number one took a different era of Spider-Man. Noah, you took uh, Holland. Sam, you took Garfield. I took uh, McGuire. As it should be. Right. (laughs) You can't plan it to be this perfect. It was it was so great. And then we have no way home to screw it all up next week. (laughs) No, I can't wait. Brandon, you mentioned earlier that you think the ranking is pointless. I think this is quite fun. I I don't think it's pointless. I think this is a good discussion because this is the, the, you know, like Spider-Man as we know it before no way home, before any of the shenanigans that may or may not happen in this upcoming one. And so I think there's something to taking a look back at this history and seeing like, you know, this is, this is the last week in which we know what a world is like before no way home. And so I just think that this is really fun to be able to do these rankings, especially when they're so clearly vastly different. <laughs> and again, I would have us all plug our, uh, plug our things, but we're about to end the show. So I will simply say thank you guys so much for listening. Listen, while we've got you here, just do us a favor, go follow us at plot devices on Spotify and Apple podcasts. That's Spotify and Apple podcasts at plot devices pod. Check us out there. New episodes come out every Sunday, later Monday. In this case, it's going to be later Monday because I'm on vacation. I promise I will get to it as soon as I can. Enjoy um, vacation. Don't stress. <laughs> thank, thank you. Along with our main episode, we talked about West Side Story, Sonic the Hedgehog, and also more Spider-Man things. So check that out there. Uh, all of our social medias are going to be linked below. Check us out there. 
on Twitter and Instagram at Plot Devices Pod. From myself, Brandon King, from Noah Guzman, from Samantha Corvaya, this has been Plot Devices, the weird mini-soap Spider vs. Extravaganza, and we'll catch you guys in a post-Noah Homeworld next week. Go, Ed, go. Peace. <laughs>